Tez, welcome to the CEO class, bro. Brother Raheem, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you coming on here, bro. You're one of the first comedians on this podcast, which I think is going to be probably a funny, entertaining podcast, but also yet very inspiring for people watching this to see who maybe want to be future comedians and look at yourself. For oh, bro, I hope not, man. There's too many comedians. Is it? Yeah, I hope. Don't be inspired by this. Don't, if anything, I want to uninspire people. Uninspire people. Yeah, yeah. I don't need the competition, bro. This, <laughs> these young cats are too funny and too motivated, bro. Yeah. If anything, I want to uninspire people to do comedy. Do you think like the likes of platforms such as TikTok and stuff like that have you know brought comedians out? You know. Yeah, bro. Like when I like I, I'm a I'm a live comedian in it. So mm-hmm. like ninety percent of what I do is live on stage. Yeah. And that takes a certain kind of hustle and headspace. And all that sort of stuff to do. And when I was starting out, there was no TikTok. Instagram was just in its infancy. It was like pre-video Instagram. Yeah. When it was just about pictures yeah, yeah, and yeah. showing people that your life was better than theirs. It was before the video stuff. And even YouTube was in, in, in its infancy. Like you had like Hamza, Arshad, Dari of a Badman. Yeah, yeah, big up Hamza. And you had like maybe like Superwoman in Canada. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were the original ones in it, doing, yeah. doing what they were doing, like sketches and stuff. Yeah. But what's happened now is it's like, I'm not. I couldn't have predicted it because I'm not. I'm not one of those people who can like see into the future and like forecast what the trends are going to be. And that I'm not that guy. So what's happened now is just democrat democratized comedy yeah. first of all, um, and also it's opened it up to a whole new level of playing field where like people from all over the world connect connecting with each other. Like you're watching some kid in Brazil, literally, like taking shots. And then celebrating like a madman. Yeah. And then you see him next month and he's meeting Ronaldinho. Yeah. And you're like, and the guy can't speak a word of English. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, rah, man, you got this kid, this lanky kid in Italy. Yeah. Just doing this. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't even say anything. After reactions. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're talking about, what's his name? KB Lane? KB Lane? KB, K- Lane? Yeah, KB, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then last month, the guy's doing a collaboration with Tony Stark, Iron Man. Yeah. And you're like, rah, man. And I'm going, and I'm driving to Stoke to like gig in front of 200 drunk people yeah. for like 200 pounds or something. And you're like, <laughs> Man, I've been doing this for 10 years and my man's been on it for five minutes and he's meeting Tony Stark and that. Yeah. Like, it's just, all that thing's changed the game, man. But I feel like I'm like a bit of a dinosaur. So I, when I started stand-up, like back in 2010, for me, it was just about the live work and then getting on TV and getting those big breaks like Live at the Apollo and Mock the Week and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. People listening to watching this might not even know what I'm talking about. I used you know, to grow up with my mum watching Live at the Apollo. That's the thing, your mum. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? You're like, he's insulting me. His mum used to watch Live at the Apollo. <laughs> You know how much times I get, oh, my mum loves your comedy. What about you, bruv? Do no, you no, not no. like my I've comedy, though? comedy as well. No, not like you. Like, you don't even need people. But, oh, my mum's a big fan. Bruv, I'm not that old. Like, what about you, bro? You got eyes and ears as well. Um, so I grew up watching those shows thinking, like, when I started, that, that was my dream, it to be on, on that. But as I went through my comedy journey, TV became less and less relevant. Mm-hmm. Like, the number of people who watch TV live, bro, you can count on, like, two fingers. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And now it's, even if you do the shows, it's about the clips afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's about getting those clips on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. And they probably do better. They probably make, do better than there. Yeah, they do better on there TV. than they will be on TV. Yeah. Like even if the people who watch TV like you, bro, they're not on TikTok, they're not on Instagram, they're not on Twitter. Yeah. They're not following you anywhere. Mm. Back in the day, it used to be different. Like, if you went on Love of the Apollo back in like 2006, seven, like the Mickey Flanagan, Jason Manford days, or Majalili days, you were an overnight star. Overnight, you were selling out your tour. Mm. Whereas now, you're like you could be unmocked. The, I've done that with the Apollo twice. It's not really made a real difference in terms of being on TV. Yeah. Didn't make a huge difference in terms of growing an audience. But put those videos on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Then suddenly you're like, oh yeah, I like what you do and stuff. But yeah, yeah man, it's, the game has changed so much. And I feel like, as I was saying, I feel like a bit of a dinosaur because I, I wish I'd come five years earlier and I could have made it in that TV world. Because now I'm playing catch up. With the, with the kids who like, who take TikTok, who takes TikTok and Instagram like a duck to water. Mm. Like they're so natural on it and they're so good on it. 
Whereas I'm just playing catch up, man. I don't want to, like I, without sounding like a, Say it how it is. Can I swear? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah without sounding like a proper, proper tossy, yeah, without sounding like a, like a wanker. Like in my heart, I see myself as an artist in it. Okay. Like, yeah. That's why I'm an artist in yeah. it. And so I didn't set out to become a content creator. I didn't set out doing this journey to like be studying algorithms and studying when's the best time to post and what length should my video be and what should the what light it because you've got a beautiful setup here and what should my setup look like as a well, that's not what I got into this but I have to do that now if I want to if I want to like Grow survive evolve, yeah. yeah if I want to evolve and survive and, and 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 continue growing my fan base I have to get that but I'm playing catch up bro because mm. it's not as I said it's not because it's not what I got into it for I also don't enjoy it yeah and so it doesn't come naturally to me like doing this with the video does it's not, not come naturally yeah, it's not to natural, me. Yeah, but, but you, you put me on the stage in front of yeah. two thousand people, four thousand people, two hundred people, fifty people, bro. I'll, I'm as good as anyone. Game yours, yeah. But you give me that and tell me to do some, I'm bare awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's so so weird. <laughs> but then put me in front of a camera, lights, and that. In terms of like in this situation now, because I'm having a natural conversation. This yeah, is also this fun. is right. Yeah, this is different. Yeah, but, but if you're you doing like, yourself holding the camera. If you're like right, so looking at that camera now yeah. and do a five minute monologue and whatever, I'd be like, uh, uh, no, guys. I completely agree with you because me doing this podcast, I can do it naturally. But I also try to do a vlog channel on the side. Whenever I pick up a camera, it feels completely different. It feels, it? It feels unnatural. Mm. That's the thing. But you got to get past that. You well, you don't have it. to, but I mean, yeah, yeah, the yeah. people who are good at it, obviously yeah. got past that. Yeah. And they're so good at it, bro. You see, obviously, you know, you know, you, we, we all follow people on TikTok that make us laugh and stuff. Or Literally. not even necessarily laugh, like just we learn stuff from them. Yeah. You got like your, your, your cooking videos, your DIY videos, your like, uh, your... Um, ASMR videos, bro. There's a million things that come up on my on my timeline that I'm like, I didn't even know. I didn't yeah. know I was into this yeah, yeah. until until I see <laughs> until it. Until you see it, yeah. And then I'm like, give right, it a follow. Okay. And then yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I like, I like people with chop wood and stuff like that. Different. Bro, yeah. man with an axe. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, so you yeah, see yeah. the same guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bro, is mad. <laughs> okay, so this was an interesting point, right? Do you feel like over the years and as platforms like TikTok have come about, you've had to change demographics? And the reason why I ask this is because I can imagine I've never been live at Apollo, but I can imagine the people that attend there are probably maybe around the same age as you looking mm. for that sort of comedy. But mm. now the people using TikTok and Instagram are a lot younger, maybe my age or even below. How old are you, bro? I'm 26. Fuck off. <laughs> well, please don't say I was older. Go on. How old was I? No, not that. It's just Rob, man, getting interviewed by kids and that. How old are you? I'm 40, bro. So you're double my age. I could be a dad. It could be a dad. I could be uncle, though. Yeah. I could uncle, probably be, uncle like, call, me, call me Uncle Tez, innit? You probably are. You're, you're from Pakistan, right? Yeah. I guarantee we're related somehow. <laughs> Where in Pakistan are you from? Kashmir. Ah, uh, Jhelum. Jhelum. But you know, it's not far. Yeah, not far, yeah, but 100% we've got cousins. I, I, I could throw in some Mari Tari if you yeah, want. Yeah, literally all of that. <laughs> but yeah, look, so going back to the question. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had to change your sort of, your comedy style or the jokes that you tell because you want to tailor to people with a much larger audience on TikTok and stuff to, you know, get the algorithm going, if you will? What's interesting about that is I'm in this conversation with my wife yesterday we were driving and I was saying about how like I've compromised so much of what I want to do and how I want to do it. So I have to be this guy on social media, even though it's not what I love doing. I have to think about the algorithm. I have to think about creating original content rather than just repurposing stand-up videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because original content, people want to see you. Yeah. They don't always want to see your content. It's, yeah. it's a weird thing. And I, I I, don't understand that because I don't really care that much about anyone's life that much. Yeah. Like if you've got content, show me that and I don't care about your personal yeah, life. Knows, that. Yeah. But like, but people out there do. And what I think is necessary, what, what I think is not necessarily the what the masses want. So I've had to compromise so much in terms of like what I want to do and how much of myself I want to put out there. And in what way I want to put myself out there. And I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. Like the content that I do on stage is the last thing that I want to compromise on. Like let that be the stuff that I just want to write in it. And naturally like over 13 and a half years that I've been doing this, 
you evolve as a comedian anyway. You evolve as anyone in any field, whether it's an art, whether it's an artist, whether you're an artist, an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, teacher, in any field, you evolve anyway. Mm. Like if you're a teacher who started in 2010, you're not teaching in the exact same way in 2023. Yeah, no, of course, it's, it's different. Yeah. You're not teaching in that same way, innit? Yeah. So like your podcasting, probably from episode one to episode Completely whatever this different. one is going to be, it's yeah. not going to be the same, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, as an artist, okay, I hate using that word because I sound like a wanker, but you know, for want of a better word, as an artist, you do evolve anyway. So I would like to think that my material has got more sophisticated, more funnier, more accessible, people enjoy it more. And what I was writing back in 2010 is not the sort of stuff I'd be writing now, but in your bones, the stuff that you want to write about and the stuff that you want to say on stage should be the things that you want to do. You, you can't compromise on that for what you think people want, because then A, you're not true to your own voice and B, you're not going to write your best stuff. Mm. If I start thinking, okay, what, 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 what would Raheem and his mates want to hear? All right, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, let me let me write about that. Let me let me, let me write about this thing. Yeah, it might not be the thing that I naturally know a lot of stuff about, and so A is not going to be authentic, and B you're probably not even going to enjoy it that much. Do you? Think I'd rather bring you on my journey. Yeah, because everyone you enjoy, every artist you enjoy, you they don't live your life. Like name a comedian that you enjoy. Yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But like anyone else, uh, Hamza Arshad. Hamza Arshad, anyone abroad, like, 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 like we're talking uh, about like the Netflix Kevin type. Kevin Hart, right? Yeah. You don't live the life Kevin Hart lives. No. You don't speak the language Kevin Hart speaks. No. Like English, but I mean, as in, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, you're from London, innit? Yeah. You, speak, you speak in a particular way, you're 26 years old. You speak in a particular way. Kevin Hart's my age, 40 odd, right? He's from America. He speaks in a certain way. But that doesn't mean you can't relate to what he's doing. Mm. He's taking you on his journey. He's saying to you, come to me. He's not coming to you. And I want to do the same thing. I'd rather people come to me and enjoy me for the things that I want to say and how I want to say them rather than me trying to think, okay, well, what's a 26-year-old from East London going to enjoy? What's a what's a 21-year-old from Milton Keynes going to enjoy? Uh, what's that 30-year-old from Bradford going to enjoy? That If I do that, then I'm lost in it. Yeah, I'm yeah, splitting yeah. myself way too, way too different, in way too many different ways and I'm not being authentic to myself. I can only write and try and create art that I want to create and just hope that it has an audience. Give me that. Give me that. Thank you very much. Fire Pizza. You know, we love a Fire Pizza around here. Make sure you get yours when you're watching CEO Cast as well. You can either order it or they've got hundreds and hundreds of stores around the UK, around the world. So chances are you've got a store near you. So you can either go there or pick it up or go on fireway.co.uk and use the code in the description. You can get some good discount. But for now, we're going to have to resume this podcast in about five minutes, unfortunately. Sorry about that. But I'm starving right now and I need to eat. Make sure you lot eat as well. Look at the juice on the pizza. Mmm. That's 10-10. I'll save this for after the podcast. So let's crack on. Let's get the show on road and we can enjoy this together after. So this is what I was going to ask you, right? So you know if you made content like that, do you mm. feel like when it comes to the actual delivery on stage, you, you can't deliver it in the same way that you naturally would? No, it's not about delivery. I, I, I might even be meant to deliver it naturally, but like it's not meaning. Mm. What do I know about being a 26-year-old from East London? Like... I saw the car that we came in today, like, bro, I don't know anything about cars, innit? If I'm trying to then, if I'm trying to like write a bit of material about, you know, yellow BMWs and that, or gold or whatever color it is, yeah. Bro, I don't know anything about that. And you're going to be able, you're going to be able to pick up on that. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When you hear me talk about that on stage, you're like, but that's not how. But arguably you could make a comment about like how East Londoners Yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could take, I could take the mick out of it, yeah, but like yeah. it'd be, a, it'd be a comment, innit? It yeah, wouldn't yeah, be like yeah. a, it wouldn't be like a whole routine. Yeah, okay. Whereas what I tend, like most comedians write routines in it. And the one rule of comedy, unless you're writing set or punchline, unless you're writing one-liners, mm -hmm. 
like Milton Jones and Tim Vine and those guys, right? Unless you're writing one-liners of which, I'll be honest, black and Asian comics are less of in that space. But unless you're writing one-liners, you're, you're writing routines and you're writing routines based on your own life, things that you've noticed or things that you are into and stuff, right? And that, the one rule of comedy is talk about what you know. I don't know what it's like to live your life. I only know what it's like to live my life. Mm-hmm. We might have some of the same interests. We'll have overlapping interests for sure. Yeah. So there'll be might, there might be stuff in politics that I talk about that resonates with you because you're like, oh, I don't like such and such that he's talking about or yeah. I like the way he's, he's commenting on that thing because I feel about it in the same way. But when if I'm talking about my own personal life, the interests I have are going to be d- different to the interests that you have. There'll be overlapping stuff there, but the language that I talk, I'm Northern. I'm, I'm, I'm from Blackburn. Um, I say bro, I don't say bruv. Like, if I start coming out on stage and going bruv, 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 people are going to be like, that's... That's not natural to you. That's not how he talks. I've, yeah. I've heard him on the other podcast. That's yeah. not how he talks, though. Like, I might drop in the odd bruv because I'm, I'm also one of those people who's kind of a bit... Adaptable. Adaptable, a bit of a chameleon. I kind of adapt to the environment I'm in. But if I'm being on stage, I want to be as natural as possible. Yeah. So I want to take you... I'm going to bring you to me. So I'm going to say bro. It's not that different. You're not going to be bothered by that. But if I stop, 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 like, dropping in bruvs, 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 you're going to be like, right, I met Tez and that, but that's, that's, not, that's not how he talks and yeah, that, yeah, yeah. so what's that about? Mm. It's not going to be real, in it? Yeah. You know the reason why I love comedy, right? Go on. You included your comedy, is, is in, a, in a day and age where everything has become so soft and so, like, you could say one wrong thing and it's, everyone's like, cancel, cancel, cancel. The reason why I love comedy, I'm a sucker, I'll be honest, for dark humour and I stuff like dark, that, I right? I love dark humour, bro. Dark humour is the best thing, which is why I love your comedy. And it's it's almost like because I'm the comedian, mm. you can't cancel me, sort of thing. I've seen I've seen like yourself do it. I've seen uh, what's the guy's name? And Andrew Schultz. Oh uh, yeah, I've yeah, yeah. Do it as well. see, yeah from There's loads of like dark comedy that I love, but because it's comedy, they don't get cancelled. And it's like almost like you got to step on the borderline, find the actual border of where the point is of where people are actually gonna grow you for this now. So how do you actually find that point of of what's taking the piss and funny and no, no, you can't say this. So, for me, I can't speak for any of the comedian. I can't yeah. speak for Schultz. Yeah, in your own perspective. Like, Schultz is a big inspiration, like what he's done in terms of business as well, as mm-hmm. well as comedy is. What a guy. But in terms of myself, like for me, my big thing is stay in your lane, it. So for me, I'll stay in my own lane as much as possible. So for me, I'm Asian. I talk about race. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Muslim. I can talk about what's happening to Muslims around the world. I can talk about how people treat religion and stuff, right? That those are my, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm British guy. So I can talk about British politics. That's my lane. I'm, I'm an uncle. I can talk about how much I dislike kids, you know, for, for, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. for, for, for comedy and stuff. <laughs> those are my lanes. There are other subjects that I might have opinions on, but it's not my lane in it. And there's certainly people are like, why are you talking about that? Why are you, why are you, why are you talking about that for? Mm. So I try to protect myself a little bit by just, I'll take it to the edge as possible in my own lane because yeah. then people can't say anything to me. Yeah, because you're in that lane. Because I'm you're, in that you're lane. You're in that person. I'm yeah. occupying that lane, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, like or, 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 I'm next, about... or I'm next to that lane yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. I'm like driving you... next to that lane. <laughs> like you make a joke about like Muslims being terrorists and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Or terrorists on the news. Yeah, they, yeah, you, yeah. They can't say anything to you because that's you my are lane. Muslim, yeah. Or, I'm, or, or ironically twist it and be like, this is your perspective on us. Yeah. This is what you think we are. Yeah. That's my lane. But then there's other subjects that are not my lane, innit? So for now at least, I'll stay clear of it. And let people who are in that lane, or who don't mind just like crashing over to other lanes and that, let them do it. Because mm. also there's, there's, there's an element of, this is slightly where I, I do have a small business mind about this. It's like, you still need to work. You need to be able to put food on the table, put a roof over your head, pay your mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, yep. et cetera. If by being so reckless on stage, you 
end up diminishing that a little bit what good is that to you mm. or anyone that is reliant on you mm. so i respect the people who do it don't get me wrong and more power to them but for me i do watch myself a little bit in my own lane i'd be reckless but there's other lanes that i kind of be like you know what that it's not my time and also like what do they matter if i've got a strong opinion about this but i know it's going to cause a big ruckus what do they matter if i don't say it like i'm not what am i really losing you, arguably you could go more viral for that and it'll be better for you in the long run yeah right? maybe maybe but then it's also you know what it is bro i i you got to protect your mental health as well yeah I, i don't know how these people do it like you know the people who get like they put a thing out and they just get an avalanche mm. of abuse well, i can imagine and in the long run it might kind of work out for them because through that they'll find people who actually enjoy what they're doing yeah. when all the smoke and sound and they, when they all they've yeah, created yeah. has all been cleaned up yeah, <laughs> yeah. They might, they might then come out for it slightly better on the other side. But that period there, bro, that period there where everyone's mm. like, la, 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 and all this, bro, and they're loud as well. And um, that bit sometimes is a bit, it's a bit tricky, man. Look, I want, I want to come back to this later on in the podcast mm. because I do think there is a, just with any industry, there is a dark side of comedy that no one knows about, mm. I think. And I want to know about how you, you know, evolve in the future as a comedian. But... Let's take it all the way back because we haven't touched on your story of how you became a comedian in the first yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, as you said, you're in your 40s mm. and you became a comedian. 40s, you know, I just turned 40 and that. Just turned Man's 40. made me 48 and that. Man's in his 40s. Bro. Yeah, don't worry. I, I am, I am. It's a minor, bro. Technically, I am in my 40s. <laughs> exactly. But look, you've been doing comedy, you said, for 13 years now. 13 yeah, yeah, half, 13 and a half. 13 and a half years, which means you started when you were about 27. Mm-hmm. So we still got a whole load of 27 years to unpack. Mm. So take me back to Tez as a kid. Hoy boy. Were you so, always that 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 because I can imagine a comedian being a class clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I think everyone's journey is slightly different, but for me I was I was a class clown. I was obnoxious kid in school. I used to answer back in a, you know when like teachers ask rhetorical questions in assembly yeah. and they leave that pause for effect. I used to fill that pause <laughs> with an answer on that. You're that guy. I was that kid, man, <laughs> that that boring, obnoxious kid that wanted attention. Um and maybe that stems slightly from, you know, coming from a broken home and stuff like that. I don't know. I've I haven't been to a psychologist about it, but I'm sure It's probably all in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I know a psychologist if you want one. I'll, I'll yeah, cool. No, bro, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. Let, let me know, bro. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's part of it as well. And I touch about this. I touch about my kind of life story in my in in my book, uh, The Secret Diary of a British Muslim, aged 13 and three quarters, which is about growing up in Blackburn. But it kind of covers my teenage years mostly. Um, so yeah, grew up in a two up two down. Mum, me, sister. Mum got remarried when I was like six. Um, dad got remarried as well Had a ton more siblings so Did you have contact with your dad then? Yeah, yeah, yeah So me and my dad are good mates, man Like we Obviously when I was younger It's a bit more difficult But as we've got older We've sort of become quite close And stuff And I had more of an understanding And that My dad was always in my life mm-hmm. Like he's never not been in my life Uh, But it was kind of that Like once a week kind of thing When I was a kid Yeah And now they're like We're just we're, we're mates in it yeah, like we, have, we understand each other now yeah. And I got to remember as well My parents were bare young When they got married Like my parents were Teenagers when they got married, had two kids and got divorced. Like imagine, have you, have you got any teenagers, teenage siblings? Yeah, yeah. I got, no, not teenage. She's 21, youngest right. one. Right, but imagine your, imagine your sister got married three years ago. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? That is mad. That is mad to think about that, isn't it? That's a young age. That's a young age, isn't it? So like, that's uh, like- are, are your parents first generation in this country? Yeah, yeah. So, so they, so my granddad came. Yeah. Then he brought his family over, which included my dad. So my dad's been here since he was six. Yeah. So my dad's very British, like football, all that, yeah. And then he married my mum. He went back home to marry my mum and then my mum came as well. So they both like from back home. But that's my quite a common more, thing. But my dad's more British though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite a common thing though. Yeah. You know, there might be some, you know, some uh, non-Asian people watching this right now and be like, no way. But to us, our parents all did that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's quite a common thing in that sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, you know, whoever's, 
w- w- for whatever reason that marriage broke down or whatever, whatever. Like it's, it's nothing, bro. They were teenagers, man. Nothing. Whose fault it was? This that nothing to do with yeah, it. Bro. Yeah. It happened. Mm. It happened like in the late. It happened forty years ago, forty plus years ago. Yeah. What's it to do with me? What good am I gonna get out of? Now digging that up and going, whose fault was it? Mm. I want to know. Yeah. Why, 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 why? There's no point, especially if you've got a relationship. Get, you yeah. know, like, what does it matter, man? If you've got a relationship with both parents, why yeah. do you need to do that? Yeah. Just move on, with, live your life, man. Yeah. I know some people, unfortunately, get who get stuck in that, stuck in that sort of like, I can't move on because I'm sure the trauma that I'm experiencing in my life traces back to my childhood. But bro, deal with your trauma, innit? Mm. You don't need to like bring up other people's pain. Like they went through what they went through because they were kids, man. I didn't know any better. We're making mistakes now. I'm 40 or 26. We're making mistakes every day in our lives. Mm. Like imagine you got married when you were 16, 17, 18. Yeah. What do you think? You would have been a good husband, a no. good wife? <laughs> no, I doubt a good it. partner? You wouldn't have, innit? <laughs> yeah. None of us would have, bro. <laughs> so, you know, like these, these like, what up? So, grew up in, then mum got remarried and all that. Then I was at school. School was rough. Had a GCSE pass rate of 30%. Is it what, your school? Yeah, my school had a GCSE pass rate. When I was there. Okay, better, yeah. It's better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was there, bro, like, we, <laughs> we had more race riots in our school than music teachers. Okay. Bro, it was it was mad. It was it was a mad time. Like it was I, I loved it. I love school. I loved it. I was a bit of a nerd as well. Yeah. Like I was the one kid who liked studying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was the kid who like let everyone copy their homework and stuff because that was the way I could be popular in it. That was that was my way. That was my way of being accepted. <laughs> that like, oh yeah copy his homework and, yeah, that. and yeah. I was like, yeah copy my homework. So you were like the kid in class who was like, you know what, for me to get the popularity, let me let me let the guy copy my uh, yeah. copy my homework and yeah, all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Did it yeah, work yeah. out? Did you become the popular kid? I wasn't like the popular kid, yeah. but you know I was I was somewhere you, in the, I was somewhere in the middle ground. Yeah, yeah okay yeah. Um that's what you, you know also be. my my cousins were very popular. Yeah. So I I had them in it. Okay. So, yeah. so I was kind of hanging on to their court tails yeah, and my cousin. Oh is that what's his cousin? Yes 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 yeah leave him yeah. Yeah yeah no beef. Yeah yeah so also all the kids that were having beef, I was in that group in it. Yeah. So and it was on the schools where everyone just bullied everyone. So sometimes you got it, sometimes you're giving it to the people. So everyone, even the most popular kids, sometimes it was, sometimes it was their day to get bullied. Yeah. Like everyone just got it, and you know how it's like going in school in it. Everyone gets it. Literally. And um, when it's your day, it's, it's shit. It's peak. It's, it's peak in it. When it's your day, it's shit, bro. But we all go in school. But then it never lasts more than one or two days. Yeah. Then, you to, then you then you join in moving on to someone this, else. This is why I miss school so much because purely because okay, you could condone it, you know, borderline bullying. But it was the best thing ever. It's only bullying if it's one kid forever, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's a different kid every other day, yeah. then it's not. Then it's like character building. But kids nowadays, I feel like they'll never know because schools are so soft, man. And the people in the world nowadays are so soft. I don't know, bro. I don't. Compared, know. I think I feel. I feel that's still some of that around, especially in the. Yeah, you know, there's definitely some of it around. There's definitely got to be some of that around. Yeah, still. yeah, but to the extent of that, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, don't I, don't know I speak either. to my young cousins who are still in school, and they're like, "Bro, they're bullying each other online now." Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's that, different. You know, because what, what was easier for us is at least if you had a bully. Yeah. At least you could shut it out for yeah. twelve hours, innit? The twelve hours, fifteen hours you're at home. Yeah, yeah. You, you ain't got shut Instagram open up and see keyboard messages. And bro, all that. now, bro, these kids are bullying each other on PlayStation, on Snapchat. Probably an apps that I've never even heard about. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm these, these kids are living a completely different life. Completely different Their life. lives, are, they've grown up online. We grew up, like you definitely. I grew up offline. Offline, yeah, 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 100%. You know, I had, back in our day, it was MSN, like the very early, yeah, early, yeah, early yeah, stages yeah, of it, right? But we never had. Then you had B, 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 BBM, and, BBM, and, all BBM that, yeah. and all that. BBM yeah. came back, came when I was in like year 12, year 11. Okay. So throughout year 7 to that time, it was, everything was all in person. All yeah, the banner yeah, was in person. There was no online bullying. It was just completely all of that. But back to your story, I'll, I've been waffling on too much. Yeah, yeah. So then did my GCSEs. <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. Is it? Because I'm Asian in it, obviously. I don't know whether that was my own idea. It was yeah. incepted into my brain by my by my mum when I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like, be a doctor, be a doctor, be a doctor. Then I wake up going, I want to be a doctor. She's <laughs> like, oh, what a surprise. Um, so I, I, from as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a doctor. So did well enough in my GCSEs to stay on that track. 
And then at 16, 17, got thrown out of home by my stepdad. Is it? Yeah, it was. And then went can, to Can live. I ask why? It's because he's a dickhead. Okay, that was, was nothing more. to do with you. No, bro, I was a good kid. I, like, I was a good kid, bro. Yeah. I was a good kid. I, I did nothing to that man, but he, he's a fucking prick. So I got thrown out of home. Um, so I went to live with my sister. Uh, and then I kind of just took my eye off the ball. Like my mum was strict, man. She's like one of the Chinese tiger mums, isn't it? Mm. Like you're studying. It's time to study. Yeah, yeah. Every day when I was a kid, she used to make me read. My, I used to love reading anyway, but she used to make, she used to make me write as well. I used to hate writing. Like, the irony you know, of it now. The irony yeah. of it, innit? So like, it was like, I had to write two pages on whatever. And I just used to like rush. I don't even know why. She, half the time I think she used to copy it from a book just to get two pages done. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I'd, I'd, show her, I'd do a page and show her a page from yesterday and hope she doesn't notice. You've noticed it, yeah. But yeah, my mum was strict, man, in terms of education and stuff. I'm making sure that, you know, that I was going to make some of myself. But when I left home and lived with my sister, took my eye off the ball. I think I got a bit arrogant as well because I thought, well, I didn't want to write my GCSEs. And because my school was so bad, I was like above average in it. And so I just thought, so I wasn't comparing myself to like elite schools and uh, the peak schools around the country and stuff. I was just comparing myself to the people around me. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm doing, I'm getting better grades than these lads. Yeah. So I think I'll be all right. So I just took my off the ball and just really didn't study that well for my A-levels. Flopped them completely. So medicine was completely off the table. But all my A-levels were in science. So I was like, oh, gotta do, gotta do a science degree, I guess, innit? So I started looking online, um, clearing. That's when you flop your A levels and you yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I went for the same thing. Yeah, bro, yeah, you know, you know, know innit? The funny thing, I actually did. Uh, what did I do? I did B Tech level three science as well. So right, yeah, same thing. So you know, you know, yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about innit? <laughs> so then I ended up falling upwards to Lancaster University, which yeah. is one of the best universities in the country. Yeah. So I could have gone to like Manmet or no disrespect, actually full disrespect to anyone who went to Manmet, um, or like Leeds or one of them ones. Yeah, not Leeds Uni, the Metropolitan. But I ended up falling upwards by accident to Lancaster. I didn't even want to go to Lancaster. I'd mm-hmm. been there on an open day, and it just looked dead just quiet and I was like it's gonna be boring but I thought the course there was better than the course I man met mm-hmm. so I thought I can't I can't do color chemistry I man I don't know what that means mm-hmm. so I go to biochemistry at, at, at Lancaster and hopefully just have a good time yeah loved it bro loved it but and, and also like Lancaster is like a top 10 uni so I fluked it like oh, I, did, so did you graduate in everything as well yeah fully graduated bro got a yeah. master's in management as well no way yeah so I got a bachelor's in biochemistry and then by the time I finished that, I was like, I don't really want to be a scientist. Like I kind of fell out of love with science. Yeah. Couldn't see myself working in the lab. So Lancaster are one of the best management schools in Europe. So I was like, let me just take advantage of that. And roll into a master. And there's a master's course for non-management students. Mm-hmm. It's like a fast track in management. Okay, yeah. So I did that, got my merit, passed. And then I was like, right, I need a job now. And then applied for the civil service. Uh, so you part of civil stream. service as well? Yeah, I got okay. on the fast stream, bro. Shout out civil service. Yeah, shout out fast stream and that. So I got on that, which is a very competitive thing apparently. Yeah. But I just like, yeah, I did it and I got on. And that was like 2007, yeah. six, seven. So is this the reason why you were in London then? That's the reason I was in London. Okay. So I moved to London to work in the home office on the first stream. That's sick. Yeah. Okay. And then when I was down here, I worked here for a year, went back up north for two years. And then when I came back again the second time, which is 2010, then I was like, I just need to do some more, man. Because London, you're from London and it's different. You've got family and friends here. I don't have anyone here, apart from the friends I went to uni with. And they're scattered all over the place. Like real life is not like friends that sit coming in. Did you not have any of like the up near relatives, distant ones that you can see living in Green Street? All and of my like family are either in Blackburn mm-hmm. or in Jillam. Is it okay? There might be like, don't mean on the like dad's second cousin, whatever, but I don't mean like no one that I know though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my entire family is in Blackburn or, or Jillam. So I had no one in London apart from the people I went to uni with. And real life is not like friends the sitcom. Mm-hmm. No one's, not everyone's living together in the same flat and that. Yeah, 100%. So bro, I was a bit lonely in that. I was like, I, just, I need a hobby. I need something to do. So I started Googling writing workshops, just something to do in the evening. Why writing workshops? 
just so much to do in it. I just everyone's got that story in their head that they want to put on paper, and everyone's got an idea in their head that okay, they think yeah, yeah, yeah. would would look good on paper or whatever. Yeah. Worst case, I just like it'd be a bit of a hobby and nine mm-hmm. or someone like I thought I'd just meet new people. That's the you know worst case scenario. I meet yeah. new people, make friends, hang make out friends with them on the side. Yeah, all that's that cool it. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and then while I was googling writing workshop, I came across a stand up workshop, and I thought, hey. My friends always tell me that I'm funny. I'm deluded, deluded enough to believe them. So I thought, I'll try that. I'll give that a go. And it's like, it was one day a week for six weeks. 130 pounds. Bro, that was so much money to me. So much money to me. Because I was, I was three hours out of uni, three years out of uni, but I still had full overdrafts maxed out. I was paying off my career development loan that I took out to do my master's. Bro, I was broke in it. And I was like... So I'm assuming like your salary from work is just about covering your costs. Yeah, that literally London, yeah. living month to month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paycheck to paycheck. Covering my rent, bit of entertainment on the side, going out and stuff. Having a nice time with mates and that. And then even traveling back up north to Blackburn once or twice a month was £100 mm. a go. So I'd like think about that as well. It's expensive. So it every up. little £50, £100 mattered to me. Yeah. And at that moment, I was just like, £130, man. And then there was something in me that was like, just do it, man. Just do it. Go on, just do it. And, and, and you know That's where Kismet comes into play Because I'm like At any other time of the month Or any other different month I might have said no It's too much money It's not worth it What are you going to do that for Completely wasted You might not even go You might sign up and not go mm. But Just in that moment sat In that chair In that building I went Yeah sign up to it And that was in January The course started in April Like just after Easter Just after my birth Just after my 27th birthday And I went on it It was one day a week For six weeks It doesn't teach you to be funny You You, you are you're not it gives you the mechanics of stand-up. Stand-up is different to being funny with your mates and, and being a goofball and that. Yeah, I can imagine, is a yeah. completely different thing. That's an, it's an art form. What sort of things do they teach you in that? They give you like writing exercises and like they give you homework. Like they'll be like, think <clears throat> about something that annoys you mm-hmm. and rant about it for 90, write, write a rant on it for 90 seconds. So you come back the following week and you obviously try and make it funny and stuff. Yeah. And then- You got to present it to the other people And the then, group. yeah, so there were like 15 of us in that group and then yeah. you're basically doing a little stand-up performance. Okay, yeah. In front of them, you're doing your 90 seconds rant about whatever it is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's annoyed you. And then you get exercises, you, you learn little rules of, like rules of three. Mm-hmm. Like if you're saying something, say two mild things, then say a third thing. Okay. That's like completely out of whack. Yeah. Because you're saying a normal thing, a normal thing, punchline. Okay. So little things like that, that you learn little tricks like that that you might not have thought of mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like right. look, watching stand-up comedy, I would never have yeah. thought anyone these So things. there's little things like like structure, callbacks, all that sort of stuff. What not to do, make sure you move, move the mic stand away from you. So you, so because when you're nervous, mm-hmm. the first time you do you know you don't know what you're doing, you take the mic out, you just leave the mic stand. I've seen it happen yeah. to new comedians. They leave the mic stand there, then they're performing with the mic stand in front of them because in the head, they haven't thought to move it. Mm. It's little technical things like that. So like it teaches you stuff like that. Cause basically it gives you a six month head start on people who haven't been on a comedy course yeah. or comedy workshop. Yeah. Then at the end of it, there was a, a writing workshop, sorry, a stand-up showcase. There's a showcase for everyone who'd been on the course for them to invite their family and friends and whatever they prepared five, seven minutes on that on that course, they do it in front of them. That was like a first ever gig. Mm-hmm. So I invited my friends, my friends came down. Um, Did I you tell them you were doing this course? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was quite honest about it because they were like, it was one of those things that you need. It like when we watch Eddie Murphy or or any sort of stand up on that, and they're like, you know, out of the room, you're like, oh, who 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 could who could possibly even do that? Yeah, and yeah. it was always like, yeah, you could do you. that, innit? Yeah. I was like, bro, your mother tell me I could be an astronaut, innit? Like, yeah. what, you're, what are you talking about? Like, that's, how can I do that? Um, so it was still at the back of my mind, though, innit? When I saw that stand up workshop, that was at the back of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, just try it, innit? So I told them, they were quite excited about it, and then loads of them, I think I had about 10 friends there who came, and I remember like, I told them to be inconspicuous in it. Like sit at the back of the room, just mm-hmm. don't make too much noise. I'm going to come on, I come on in it and do my thing. 
these motherfuckers make t-shirts saying I'm with Tez and sit on the front <laughs> row. And I'm like, you fucking bastards, man. Why would you, why would you put that pressure on me, man? And then I did, that was my first ever show. Um, and it went well, man. People laughed when I wanted them to laugh. They laughed in the right places. I then just got bitten by the bug. And after that, because I made contacts on the course, I found out about the open mic circuit, which is oh, like the lowest, the open mic circuit. Okay, yeah. There's the lowest rung, the bottom rung of the comedy ladder. Yeah. It's basically the open mic circuit. There's like a sub circuit, a subculture in London of open mic comedy, mm-hmm. which is across just pubs all over London, mm-hmm. north, south, east, west, a lot in central, to be honest, like zone one. So this is all still going on whilst you're working at yeah. civil services? Doing my day job. Yeah. Got my hobby in the evening. Okay. Going to different comedy yeah, shows yeah, yeah. for open micers, open yeah. mic nights. And these things were brutal, man. You got like 15 comedians on a night, all doing five, seven minutes each. You got maybe like 20 audience members, sometimes, bro, sometimes seven people. Yeah. Sometimes there's more comedians than there are audience members. Mm. So the comedians are making up the audience members. And comedians are the worst audience because we don't laugh at anything. Yeah. If you think something is funny, this is, a, this is, this is something's funny, yeah? You go, not bad. I don't know. <laughs> right, I'm going to see bad. you doing that tonight to the other comedians, innit? You know what? <laughs> I wish I'd written that. That's nice. The only time we enjoy it is when someone's flopping. Yeah. When someone's flopping, we're like, yes. <laughs> Love it, yeah. Yes, get my popcorn. Because that's happened to all of us. We've all yeah, been yeah. there, innit? So that's the best. But like, yeah, so, so I was on this open mic circuit and there's grinding away, trying to make a name for myself, trying to get onto the pro nights, you know, like the Friday, Saturday clubs, like you've seen it in the like comedy store and yeah, all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Trying, trying to make it, trying to get the open spot. That's like the tryout spots mm-hmm. on those nights and just grinding away, doing my day job. Suffering, bro, like sleep, not sleepless nights, but like late nights getting back late, getting up in the morning to work. That's all that grind that people don't see in it. And doing that for six and a half years between that first ever gig and leaving my day job. Six and a half years of, and I must have done thousand gigs or something in that time. What was the, what gig was it where where you thought this is actually like, not like a massive gig, but a gig where you thought, right, there's a lot of people here, you know? And what was that you moment know, like? Weird. There's not, there's never, is that thing, there's never one gig. No. It was always, with me, I always kept having like little wins. And then little wins kept convincing me to keep moving forward. Because there were enough bad bad nights, bro. There was mm-hmm. some bad nights. Especially on the open mic circuit, it's bad, bro. Did it's you ever hard, have bro. nights where you felt like Eminem in 8 Mile where he's vomiting 100%, in the 100%, bro. I never had that thing where you're like, I don't say anything and walk off stage. <laughs> but like, you know, you do your set and no one's laughed. And you come off going, bro, I'm a fraud, man. What am I doing? And like, bro, I was talking to myself, like, going stuff like, listen, you don't drink. You're going around to these pubs, yeah? The upstairs, you know, the dysfunction rooms in yeah, pubs yeah. or whatever, or, or basement sometimes, yeah. yeah. You go to the dysfunction rooms of pubs when you don't drink and you're trying to make strangers laugh for no money. And when they don't laugh, it's ruined your day. Mm. Bro, you're ill. Go see someone. Because that's not normal. But that's the grind, bro. That is the grind. That's the training. You're like footballers. You know, footballers start playing when they're four years old, innit? And they make their debut at 18. But in that meantime, you don't see what it takes from being four that years training, old yeah. to being 18 and yeah. making that debut. Yeah. And bro, it can be hell for them, innit? That, that's, that's the open mic circuit <clears throat> like trying to learn how to do that yeah and sometimes it's hell bro it's like it's like anyone at work has that's a bad saying, day it must be like some heartbro- heartbreaking moments yeah bro but you, that one of the most underrated facets of being a comedian one of the most underrated skills is perseverance and resilience because you gotta have resilience bro because them nights are imagine going on stage yeah and you're trying to make people laugh and no one's laughed mm. bro you you don't you, you gotta see those people in the you gotta meet those people in the eye on the way out yeah, bro, thanks. Thanks. See you. Oh, man. Nice night. You just want the world to swallow you up. But you think to yourself, but that's what I'm saying. There were enough little wins that made you think that, no, you've got to keep doing this. Because the last thing I wanted to do was give up 
and then 10 years down the line, see the people that was around, the other type of people that was around make it. Mm-hmm. And then me going to my mates and that, like, you know, be somewhere in a shisha cafe and Lava the Apollo comes on TV and your mates like, didn't you, you tried that, innit, for a little bit back in, back in the day. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, no, no, I did, but I knew, I knew him as well. Yeah, no, I, I used to actually, I used to do better than him. And they're like, shut up, man. You're like, yeah, no, I got some couple of kings that I used to do better than him, but like, you know, he carried on and he made it. Bless him, man. Yeah. I'm a lot good for him and that. I don't want to be that guy. Mm. I don't want to be that guy looking at TV 10 years down the line going, I know these lot. And if I carried on, yeah, could have been I could have yeah, been there yeah. as well. So I just had to carry on, man. It's like work, man. You have bad days. And even with this podcast, right? I bet sometimes you finish a podcast record going, I don't feel like that was a good one. 100%. Yeah. And then sometimes you're like, that's a banging episode. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes people will tell you whether it's good or not. Yeah. Like you might think, what do you think of the banging episode might not be the ones that people resonate yeah. with the most. And the one that you might think, I'm not sure about that one. People, for some reason, it bangs. Happens all the it time. Happens, all it? the time. Yeah, they can't, there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. to these things. Um, so I just, I, just, I just kept having those little wins and there's little competitions called open mic competitions or new act competitions. Mm-hmm. So they stand up competitions for newcomers. Okay, yeah. So if you're going like less than three, four years, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is for you. Okay. You're doing your five, seven minutes competing against other people. There's, and there's rounds, bro. You're like first round, second round, quarter final, semi-final. Well, competing against final. other comedians. Not, not like that in, term, in terms of like you all get your five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then at the end of the day, one or two people go through to the next round. Okay. So, so basically like, who makes the audience laugh the most? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah, sometimes yeah. you've got judges. Okay. And, yeah. and sometimes it's a mix of what the audience likes yeah, and what yeah. the judges are into. Okay. Um, so yeah, so then, and then I was doing well in them. There was, there was like, I think there were like 10 of them around when I was, when I was coming up, all of various different degrees of like how important they were. The most important one was the BBC New Comedy Award, mm-hmm. BBC in it. Yeah. That was the most important one. But then there were other ones that were like more industry important. And I was kind of doing all right in them as well. I remember like six months in, I got to my first ever final. For the first competition I tried, I got to the final. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, there was a guy on the course, he was doing the sister course. So our course was on Saturday. He was doing the Wednesday course mm-hmm. and he'd already been doing, he'd already been going a, li- a little bit and he did the course to like make himself a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I met him a, a couple of gigs later and I was like, oh, I've got that first round of that competition thing coming next week. Um, or like, what, what do you want? Like any, any hints and tips and that? He goes, yeah, just do your best and like, enjoy yourself, do your best. But like, just remember, you're not gonna, you might get through, but you're not gonna yeah. get to the final or win or anything like that. So don't worry about any of that stuff because you're just not. Mm-hmm. Like you too, like you've been going a month, like don't worry about that. Yeah. And then every round I just kept going through. And then I would use those open mic gigs as training for those competition gigs. So I didn't worry too much about how well I did or didn't do mm-hmm. because I just kept trying material. I just kept trying stuff out because I knew for me that was training mm-hmm. and those competitions were match day. Yeah. So I was like, I just got to keep training, try different things in training, try different skills, try different maneuvers, try different bits of bits out. Yeah. Knowing that I'm putting something together for the match day. Okay. And every match day was, which, which was, a, which was around in a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was smashing it. It's all preparation basically. And I kept going through and I kept having them little wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I reached the Leicester Square New Comedian of the Year final, 2010, I was like, bro, I've been going six months. And I was so proud of myself, you know, like- Well, that was only six months into the- Six months in. And I remember like telling people, cause people, the big thing back when you started is how long you been going, how many gigs you done. Mm. And I used to be so proud, bro. Like doing right these gigs and going, oh, I've been, I've been doing three months. People like, raw, yeah. three months, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, I've been doing this for three years. Oh shit, okay. Yeah. And then like people start keeping an eye on you then, innit? People are like, oh, three months, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. might have some. And then after that came <clears> the BBC New Comedy Award, which was like, like Sarah Millican's been to the final of that. Like Jason Manford's been to the final of that. Like the, the Peter Kay's been to the final of that, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that's like a big, big one. Yeah. And I got to the final of that within my first year. And that was almost unheard of. I think the final was almost a year anniversary to my first ever gig. 
I didn't win the thing, but for me, like being in the final was a winning itself. Yeah, the fact that you got there. I'm, the I'm on the board, and I'm, yeah, on, the, I'm, yeah. I'm on the board, and yeah. that winning is then come down to personal taste and how well you do on the day mm-hmm. and stuff, and sometimes factors outside your circle. But even then, getting to the final in the first place, it firstly gives you so much confidence, but yeah. secondly, it probably opens the eyes of people in the industry to yes, look out for you. Exactly, exactly, exactly that. So I had that, and I thought, okay, this is a big win, and mm-hmm. that was one year in. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it took years and years and years after that, but having those little wins just kept me in the game. Just kept me thinking, now nah, you're good enough. If you mm-hmm. persevere, you'll get somewhere. You might not reach the very, 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 very top, but you'll get a career out of it. Yeah. And you'd rather do that than the thing that you're doing. And the civil service was good, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't grab me. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Because yeah. as soon as I started comedy, I was like, This is what you really love and yeah, enjoy. This is what I was born to do, yeah. man. I was born to do this. I might not be, I might not be a Messi Ronaldo, mm-hmm. but I feel like I was born to do this. Okay, so even, if I, even if I'm Luke Shaw, yeah, here's, here's well, what I want to ask. Right, that's not a bad career, <laughs> in it. Yeah, here's what I want to ask you. Yeah, just moving on to that point. So at that point now, where you're doing, you're, obviously you've been carrying on doing comedy for six mm. years mm. whilst you're doing your day job. Mm. Yeah, uh, what was the point where, like, I, I don't like getting too much into income, so I'm not talk about figures here, but where the income from comedy was like, yo, I'm getting good money from this gig right now, and comparing it alongside your civil service job. It was slow, bro. Like for the first three, four years, I was getting nothing. It was like an apprenticeship. Yeah. It was like, a, it was like I was doing a degree. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just here for work experience, just learning how to do the job and that. And then slowly, slowly, you know, a bit of money started coming through, but nowhere near, nowhere near a salary. Mm-hmm. It was like spending money on the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. And then I think six, six, six and a half years in, like I got a couple of big jobs that meant that I was earning enough if I left London. Mm-hmm. And that's when that decision came. Like you can carry on grinding in London and doing the day job, which I was doing less and less well in. So mm-hmm. that's a pressure, bit of pressure there because it's not fair on them. Yeah. Or. What, what is that? Because your attention's elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. My heart's not in it. Yeah, attention's yeah, yeah. not in it. And yeah. they all knew. Yeah. That, uh, people I worked with were lovely. They knew, they knew in it. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also I don't want to pay the uh, money I'm earning from comedy. I don't want to pay it on rent mm-hmm. in London because then I'm just going to live in a squat. Yeah. And I can't, I'm big man's like 33 now and yeah, I can't yeah. do that my whole life on that. So it's like, I'm going to leave London, go back home. And by that time I'd hustled in London. So in terms of comedy clubs, there was nowhere that I needed to you prove to been, in yeah. London. Okay. I'd already done that. Yeah. They, they, were, they were booking me or they weren't booking me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to prove myself to them. Then the only reason, reason I needed to come to London was for either gigs or meetings or TV, radio, whatever. And that's fine. Had you, had you done Lava Apollo at this point? No, no. So Lava the Apollo came a couple of years after that. Okay. So I'm going to get on to All the, the big things <laughs> came a couple of years after that. <laughs> I'm going to get onto the question there, which I've been waiting to ask you for this go whole podcast, on. right? I'm going to give you a little brief background story just to tie it all in together. I see comedians do that all the time, so I'm going to do the same thing, right? So when I started this podcast, mm. <clears throat> no one knew about it. No friends, no family, nothing like that. And then it eventually became a career. Still didn't tell my family, yeah, because I'm Pakistani at the end of the day. Regardless how old we get as Pakistanis, our dads, our mums are always going to say something about our career choices. If I told, if I went into a different career now, I will get questioned on it. Regardless, I could be sixty years old, choosing a different career. My dad would say, "Putur, what are you doing? Why are you making this decision for?" Yeah. So, I want to know really and truly what it was like for you to go from what was like an excellent nine to five in civil service, proper career, bro, and you saying to your mom and dad, "I'm leaving to be a comedian," because not in a disrespectful way, I don't think any Asian parent expects their son. Or daughter to say that. No. It's like if you're gonna no. leave your job, at least do it for like for some good some better. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> or a business or something. But you're gonna be a comedian. Yeah, bro, it's, it's hard for our parents to fathom that because How did you tell him? I think I can't remember the it was easy with my dad. 
than my mum. Because my, as I said, my dad's been here since he was six. And my dad was like the black sheep of his generation, brown sheep of his generation. Yeah. So it was easy with him. Me doing something a bit funky, something a bit different. He was like, well, yeah, go on then. Mm. Whereas my mum, it, like, it was that exact thing. Like, what? Yeah, what are you talking about? Are you about? even funny though? Like, are you, is he funny? Like, <laughs> yeah. is he funny? We didn't even know that about you. <laughs> so it was, it was a bit difficult with my mum. But then ultimately, because I was moving home, that was the soothing balm. That was the Vaseline. That mm-hmm. was the Vicks. To soothe that pain of like he's living like even now to this day I don't think she's truly truly happy that I do this for a living yeah. truly deep down in her heart I don't think she's like entire if I was like I'm jacking this in to get a nine to five that earns similar amount of money she'd be like Alhamdulillah she's probably she's probably thinking I should have whispered more times in his ear in his ear exactly probably not don't be a doctor don't be a comedian don't be a comedian don't become an artist. Shut your mouth. Don't be obnoxious. Yeah. You don't need attention. It's fine. Um, did, you, did you feel any of your outside family like making any judgment? Uncles, aunties? You know, I, like that came, I think they kind of found out when I was doing a little bit well. Mm-hmm. So they were a bit curious about it, a bit like perturbed by it. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then my, my cousins who were more supportive were like, yeah, but he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. He's in a TED talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, man's on BBC and 9 so he's, he's doing it right. Like, give him a chance for 9 Whereas a couple of my other cousins were more like, my religious ones especially, were like, I don't know if we think you should be going into these certain establishments and doing this sort of stuff, you know? We mm. don't know how we feel about that. But perseverance in it. Mm. As like, ultimately, is what I'm doing un-Islamic and they couldn't say yes definitively. So it's like, shut your mouth. And like, it's, it's not an Islamic though, is it? But some people, you know what? You can make an argument for anything being yeah, un-Islamic. Yeah, you can, you can. You can make an argument for anything being un-Islamic and people will have them. But generally, I'm trying to think about it. Like, I, I can understand some industries where they say, no, it's un-Islamic or, you know, there's a, there's a grey area. But comedy, what are you doing? That's un-Islamic. It's, you're making people laugh. I'm sure someone in the YouTube comments will tell you, will let you know. Some I because I don't know. Can you think of any argument for it? No, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> um, but you know, there were some like not difficult conversations, but like tricky conversations. Yeah, that was like, nah, man. I think you're being a bit unfair, and that I think like you know, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm doing. Mm. Like, there's a soft dawah there as well. You know, like it's not all. There's there's an un, there's a sub there's a subtext to some of the, not everything, but there's a subtext to some of the stuff that I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. That makes people more understanding of yeah. where we come from and all that sort of stuff. So like that's not the entire reason I do it, but it's there. Mm. Um, and you know, dawah comes in all different kinds of forms and that. So you know, Literally. don't be don't be. You know, I met Mufti Menk the other day. Is it? Yeah, I did yeah. it with Mufti Menk, not like personally, but like you know, I was on the, I was on the same table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was chatting to us, and as soon as and he, it was me and Ali official, and he loves Ali official, which is amazing. Um, and he's like, you know, you comedians, man, you're, you're, I love you guys because you know, you, you, you guys do that soft hour, and not everyone appreciates that. But you know, keep doing what you're doing. And then for Musti Mink to give me that sort of like, yeah, keep going. Yeah. I'm like, who are you, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, anyone else? Where's the Haram? Please sat now. Exactly, isn't it? <laughs> Musti Mink said I can do it. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got his stamp of approval. <laughs> I want to to me. <laughs> chat to me. Where did your big break come from? Like, what was the point where you were like, okay, big things now? Again, you know what is funny? I don't feel like I've had mine. Really? It's funny that, ain't it? Like, I don't think I've had my big break. I don't think, what I'll say is, I don't think I'm a made man. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone like, ever feels like that. Hmm? I don't think anyone ever feels like that. But like, you think about certain, let's just stick to the UK, you think about certain people right, at certain levels, right? Like, let's think about like Jimmy Carr. Mm-hmm. That's a made man. Ramesh Ranganathan, he's a made man. 
um, like Frankie Boyle, he's a made man. Maybe like he's made some artistic choices now. He does his own thing, but for a long time, mm-hmm. he was a made man. Yeah, the thing about people at that level, yeah, they made men in it. Mm-hmm. And like, then you got people who are going up to that level, like Guz, and other people in that kind of level who are going up to that level. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's where I am. Where would you say you are then? Kind of a tier below, mm-hmm. like treading water. I feel like I'm treading water. And what would you say gets you to that level? What have you got to do to be on that level? Some of it, work, perseverance, hard work, graft, all that, yeah. And some of it's like, a lot of this, because it's not like, it's not like you pass an exam and you become a thing. A lot of it's like, a lot of it's, do the people who are in power like what you do? Like the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. the people who put you on TV, who cast you in certain, who make casting decisions and booking choices. Do they like you? Mm-hmm. Do they like what you do? Do you fit into their agenda? All that sort of stuff matters as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to blame my circumstances on that because ultimately, if you're good enough, then it's undeniable. Yeah. And you get what you're you get what you're given. And also, you know, the philosophy of you get what is written for you mm. and nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. So I'm quite philosophical about what will happen for me, what won't happen to me. If it's meant for me, it'll happen for me. If it's not meant for me, no matter how hard I try that next levels won't happen for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also ultimately, like I'll be honest with myself, I'm like, have I, I know the game has changed. It's come back to the conversation we we're having at the beginning of the of the pod, right? Yeah. I know the game's changed. I know that a lot of people's eyes and ears are now online, on social media, on TikTok, in Instagram, YouTube. Have I, being honest with myself, really and truly worked hard to cultivate an audience in that space? And the answer is no, mm. I haven't. So if you look at like the Andrew Schultz example, because you brought him up earlier, he's worked very hard. I've got another great example that I could think of. And I was watching an interview briefly of him. His name is Matt Reif. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. And I think but Matt Reif, saying, a lot of it was luck as well. Yeah. But a lot of it was luck. I'd say a lot of it was social media as well. He looks a certain way as well. Yeah, I'd say a lot of it was social media as well. social media, right? But Matt Reif's thing was, Matt Reif was more of a happy accident. He was, so Matt Reif's thing was, he was, Somewhere where they hadn't even invited him. Mm-hmm. So he'd gone to Montreal because his mate was invited. He wasn't invited. But his yeah. mate convinced him to come along. They were sat for dinner. He's feeling a bit down on himself. And he's got this little stand-up video. And his mate's like, just post it, man. Just do it. What's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, what's going to happen? You're yeah. not going to lose anything by yeah. posting it. And he's like, all right, press send on TikTok. That video blows up to one like next level. Yeah, like 30 million views. Mm-hmm. And because he looks a certain way as well, it attracts even more. Like, you know, it attracts him a following and stuff immediately. Yeah, yeah. And he's why. And, and, and all and all those things, they do matter a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, they add up. They, things you know, all those things issue. add up yeah. a little bit. Standard. Yeah. And so he's got all this thing. And then everything he does now has got this bottle of, load of attention on it. Mm-hmm. And so he's built a whole platform from that. Andrew Schultz's example is more hard work. Yeah. In sort of, obviously Matt Rath's worked very hard. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying there's a big element of luck to that. Because that might not have happened. Mm-hmm. Or it could have happened to someone else. Whereas Schultzy has worked hard recording videos, grafting, putting them on YouTube, slowly building. And, and, and Schultzy went like this. It was like a gradual one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Rife went like this. Okay, just straight up. Whereas so Schultzy's got a lot more to back you up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got these podcasts and things. And he's been working very hard. He's built a team around him mm-hmm. who are equally working as hard as he is. Have I done that? No, I haven't done that. Would so even though the gatekeepers aren't giving Schultz these opportunities, yeah. you know, he's not getting booked in Hollywood. He might get the odd booking in Hollywood, but he's not getting, he's not a made man in Hollywood mm-hmm. or New York or on these late night TV shows that they have in America, yeah? But he's made his own platform and he's made his own audience. And there's a lot of people who've done that. And I'm, I'm, 
Yeah, but I suppose it, it all depends on, you know, where you want to be and what, what places you want to go to. Like, if we look at Kevin Hart, he's gone down the, the Hollywood route mm. and actor route and all that sort of stuff. Schultz but you say like, that like as if it was his choice. Do you get what I mean? As in, as in mm. he wanted to yeah. and they've let him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Schultz, he might have wanted to, yeah. but they said no. Mm. I might want to, they're going to say no to me. Mm. Someone else might want to, like all a lot of people want to, but there's only, a, only there's a filter then in it. Yeah. And only like one or two will sneak through and become that Hollywood, whatever, whatever, whatever. The rest of us are then like, okay, let's pick up the pieces of what's left. And then there's people in the back of the line behind that who are like, there's no pieces left. What do I do? But then I'd and say- And Schultz, yeah, did it himself. Okay, I'd say off the back of that then, with him doing it himself, he's branded himself perfectly and all that sort of stuff, right? But I'd say with the people who who don't necessarily go through, let's just say we're talking about the Hollywood thing mm. and, you know, you approach them, they don't go for you, but they go for, let's just say Hamza in this example, mm. yeah, Hamza yeah. Ajad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, then you got to like say there's, say there's levels to it. So then surely that would make you think, okay, cool. I need to keep upping myself, upping myself until they do say yeah. Or... You do what Schultz did and go your own direction yeah. and brand yourself and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is the route that you want to take? Ideally, I'd like to take the Schultz route, mm-hmm. I think, because I'd rather be master of my own destiny and in control of myself. And that way, they can't take that away from you. Mm-hmm. What Schultz has created, they can't take away from him. Yeah, no, they can't, no. Not unless he like commits some mad crimes or something, yeah. <laughs> they can't take away from him what he's created because it's his audience. Mm-hmm. They're, his, they're his YouTube followers. They're his podcast listeners. They're his ticket buyers. He's not relying on anyone except himself and his team. Yeah. Whereas with me, I'm kind of still relying on that these gatekeepers to give me, to throw me a crumb. And then that's what I want to get away from. Yeah, give me an odd crumb a year, I'll take it, yeah. But if that's all I've got, where's my longevity? So that's why I'm trying now to get into the space of like doing my own thing. And I need to find my online space, whether that's through a podcast, whether it's through to camera pieces, which I'm so, which I'm not comfortable with, or, and then getting over that and just doing it. Because like with comedy, I wasn't good at it in 2010. I've become good at it because I kept doing it. Yeah. So that same energy and hard work and graft and, and, and kicking my pride to the side, what I did, what I put into the open mic circuit and stand and live stand up, I now, I now need to put into the online space. But how much, if I'm being true to myself, I haven't done it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I feel. Um, this is not me advising you or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. no, 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 bro. Welcome to see your I'll take advice from all quarters. I, I feel bro. like me personally, just speaking on this, I feel like you just got to exploit online way more and all that mm. sort of stuff. I'll give you an example. Last night when I was doing more research on you and all of that, type in TikTok your name, Tez Ilias. The things that come up are from like live at the Apollo, mm. right? And going back to the Matt Rife example, if you type in him, it's his 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 own platforms, his own content coming up. So I feel like it's more of just exploiting as much as you can the online presence mm. and just putting yourself in as many different places. Yes, yeah, still do the other things like the crumbs, get them, take them and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like just putting yourself out there, creating different platforms, whether you make your own podcast, whether you create your own comedy shows, whatever the case may be, just doing stuff like that, I feel like will take it to, to new heights. That's me. Yeah, and, and, and you know what's funny? Like you, you, you're saying stuff to me that I that I know. And I don't mm. mean that in a disp- disparaging no, 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 no. way. Okay. Because... Like, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. Mm. So like, what's stopping me? Okay, so we're talking about Schultz and building his own empire. Yeah? Mm. So you you have been creating your own lane, but you've also gone into the acting career as well. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Okay. So tell me about your acting career. 
that happened by accident, bro. Like people think that, like people are like, oh, how'd you get into acting and stuff? I'm like, bro, I've I've, I can't, I've got no advice to give you because all everything that I've ever done, you've seen me in, has come through stand up. Yeah. So people see me see me do stand up, going, oh, we don't want to give you an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. So that's what happened with that. Like Guz and me met in like 2015. We got on. And there's very few of us from our backgrounds in this industry, mm-hmm. working class, Pakistani, not from not from down south. So we naturally just gravitate towards each other. So when we had opportunities to create work, we naturally thought about the the other. Mm-hmm. So I had something I put him in. He put me in man like Mobin that banged. Yeah. I put him in something else that didn't bang. There's you know, a couple of things that we put each other in that also didn't bang. The man like Mobin was the one thing that did bang. And bro, I didn't know I could act. I'll be honest. Like I thought I could. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I still I don't think like I'm an amazing actor. Like I have a limited range. I can't do accents and stuff like that. So if you ask me to do a Scottish guy, I'd be like, bro, this is the voice. You got this voice. I can I can do emotions. I can be sad, happy, angry, but it'll be in this voice in it. Um, so I, I've got, got a limited range, but that role playing eight in Man Like Mobin was just fit me like a glove, bro. Like, and it was so much fun because they allowed us to do a lot of improv. So yeah, the script was written. We had certain lines, and then they gave us space to improvise. And because we know this character is better than. You know the, the, the writers, the, like yeah, that. and all yeah, like yeah. the people behind the scenes. And like, oh, Gus is one of the writers, but when you're putting pen to paper, it's not as real as when you're in the room talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah for course. Cool, so cool. because Gus is not from act, acting background as well, mm-hmm. we just we pissed about a lot. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. improvising stuff. Yeah. Um, and so some of the best things in Man Like Mobin came from us just being natural, just being natural, and me thinking to myself, if I knew eight in real life and he was from like Birmingham, Bradford, Blackburn, or whatever, what would he say in this situation? And that's just what I tried to do in in all of this. <laughs> Eight maddest lines. I just tried to do that. Well, they've got no more banjos left. Yeah, no more. The banjo thing was written, but then we added masala. Oh, that was written. That was written, but then we added masala in. <laughs> but like stuff like um, what what can I think? Like stuff stuff like dad. That episode where where the priest is there and I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you call him? He goes father, and I'm like, dad. That was improvised because I'm like, what would eight say in that situation? He's not going to yeah, call yeah, him yeah. father, innit? You're not going to call him father. Yeah, yeah he's going to be like, dad. He's going to misunderstand that. Yeah. and in his own, he's got his own logic in it, mm. so he's going to turn that into whatever he thinks is the right thing to say. Um, it's not that he's stupid I mean, he's stupid But it's not that he's stupid it's that he's, he's got his own logic going on In yeah, his yeah, own yeah. brain He's got his own way of thinking And he just He he assumes he's always right Even so, though it's slightly Off balance to what Everyone else is thinking Look comedy and acting Is is both a form of entertainment Yeah mm. But So what you're saying Is they're completely different art Yes and no I think the stand up Has definitely helped the acting mm-hmm. It's helped me be natural It's given me internal confidence is allowed me to be more improvisational. I think if I was just pure, I think pure actors are not as good improvisers as comedians mm-hmm. because they're so used to learning lines and delivering them. Like they come through acting school, they used to do Shakespeare. If you're doing Shakespeare, bro, you have to have every at the end of therefore you have to have all of it, bro, mm. A to Z yeah, yeah, yeah. in the right order. You can't piss about with Shakespeare lines. Mm. You can't be like you can't throw a bro in there. <laughs> like it has to be A to Z. Every comment. Well, like Rome, you're saying bro. Yeah, and it, <laughs> Come Julia, on, Julia. Cosme, bro. Julia, bro, come on, man. <laughs> like, it has to be from the beginning to the end exactly how it's written. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a trained actor, that's what you've trained to do. Whereas us lot, with no training, we're just pissing about. And we're like, but you wouldn't say it like that. He wouldn't say it like that, ain't he? He'd say it like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's the fun of it. So that's the fun that they allowed us to do that. Mm-hmm. And because Gus is one of the writers, he understands that as well, because yeah, he's yeah. also not an actor. Yeah. Like a trained actor, I mean. So so he's also do he also wants to do that as well. And so that that was that was really really fun about it. If I got if I got a different more dramatic role where the writers are very precious about their words and they're like, no, I want you to say exactly as it's written. There's no room for you throwing in your own dialogue on that. Mm. I'd 
I don't know how good I'd be. I'd like to think I'd be good at it because I'm a professional. I do what I need to do. Um, but I haven't been given the opportunity yet. And there's a thing like people are like, oh, bro, when's your next thing? Bro, I don't know in it. Like if you're casting agent, put me in stuff in it. Like I, it's not up to me. Like I've tried to write my, write my own stuff and make my own stuff and it gets to a certain development stage and then they decide, no, they want to go with something else. And I've been through that medical round as well, which is why I'm more in the space of like, I want to create my own stuff now. Yeah, I was say, what about making like your own YouTube series? You, it's expensive, bro. Yeah. Like all that production cost is like, like to make an episode of Man Like Mobin to that level, that BBC standard. Yeah, that's expensive. That's a quarter of a million an episode. Yeah. Is it? Per episode, is that what the budget was? Per episode. And, that, and bro, that's a small budget. Yeah. For TV, that's a small budget. That was a quarter million episode budget. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's a small budget for, and we see barely any of that. Yeah. Like people also think like, because I know we don't talk about money and I don't want to talk about money, but people think because you've been on stuff, you must be schminted, bro. It's not America. Mm. People have American values in their mind and when they think like, oh, friends were getting two million pound an episode. Bro, there's nothing like that here. Nothing. I made more, I was, I did a voiceover for Just Eat for Love Island playing a, a, a scorpion, a, a lizard. What? Yeah, you know, there's just, you know, have you ever seen Love Island? Oh, no, I, didn't I don't watch, watch Love Island yeah. either. But in between, you know, like you see, you watch TV, right? Yeah. And sometimes, like, you have sponsors for TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just yeah. Eat sponsored Love Island. Yeah. So before every advert break, there's a little bit in it before it goes into the advert, which is the Just Eat bit before it goes into the advert. Yeah. And I've watched, I've watched over a lizard in that. Okay. Bro, it's a fun job, yeah. Can you, can you do that voiceover now? Um, Hang on, let me remember one of the lines because people are watching going, shit, that was him, yeah. Um, what was one of the lines? Bros before gattos. What? Bros before gattos. What's gattos? Gattos chocolate cakes. Oh, is it? Man's uncultured, innit? He doesn't know what a gatto is. I don't know what a gatto is. Oh, 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 okay. It's a type of cake. Yeah. I thought you meant as a so brand. Everything we're doing with that kind of food related. Well, I couldn't understand the Blackburn accent. Yeah, that's, that's true. It is my accident. It's like bros before gattos. I remember that being one of my lines. But anyway, I got paid more for that. So, I did it twice. No, I did it three times. Mm-hmm. But two of those, and bear in mind, it's half a day's work. Yeah. Each one of them was half a day's work. What, just to say that one line? It wasn't the one line. It was the whole recording okay, yeah, session. Yeah. Like, because it was a few things. But that half a day's work, two of those paid me more than all of Man Like Mobin that I did. No way. Yeah. But maybe because it's just a much bigger program, they're going to get a lot more revenue. Yeah, yeah. There's the, different money in yeah, advertising yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying like, People think that because you've been on a certain thing that, oh, oh, this guy's balling, bro. It's not the case in this country. Okay, so I'm going to get into something we just mentioned there, yeah? America. Mm. Now, we look at the size of the UK. I've mentioned this in many podcasts before. Size of the UK and the size of America is completely different. UK can, no, sorry, America probably fit 100 times of the UK. Bro, the UK it, yeah? is smaller than New York State. Yeah, literally. And New York State is not one of the big states. Yeah, I know, I know. So we're tiny. The thing the, the, the think of US as Europe. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. If Europe was one country yeah, then with all the different states, yeah. that's the USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't compare this country to the US yeah. in any way whatsoever. Okay, so then you already know where I'm going with this question. Mm. Expanding into the US. I don't know, bro. We're seeing it. I think one thing that holds me back is my lack of ability to do accents. So I can't just easily fit in like an Idris Elba. Uh, and like I think I just go into an American show playing an American. Because, bro, I just can't do accents. It just, I just who don't says have you have it. to do accents? Uh, maybe. Maybe. There's no TV show I've ever seen in my life in America that has someone with this voice. <laughs> if they're casting that guy, if you're casting, yeah, next show you're making and you need a guy with this voice, bro, I'm your guy. Americans don't There's even know. There's no one in the US that has this voice on an American yeah. TV show you, film. Americans can meet someone from Birmingham and be like, oh, you're from London? Yeah, 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 right. You all sound the same to them. Yeah. But bro, if they want to put me in something, no one's stopping them. Yeah. I, I ain't stopping them, certainly. Um, 
So yeah, that, that'd be nice, bro. I, I would like to go over there and do some stand-up though. This is the way I look at it, because if you look at, you know, we're going back in the day to, you know, as you said, uh, Supergirl was the name. Supergirl, wasn't it? Yeah, Superwoman. Super, Superwoman, FouseyTube, all these lot, they all started off with skits. Though they're not stand-up comedians, but the market for Asian slash Middle Eastern funny people mm. is there. Yeah, yeah, Clearly, yeah, right? Sure, and look sure, at where they sure. are now. They've, yeah. they've gone so far ahead. What's Fuzzy up to? Uh, I don't know if he's up to now, but I know he's built up to follow. I know Superwoman's doing that chat show on that. Yeah, she's doing massive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuzzy has over 10 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. I know that for a fact, so he's massive. Um, and there's probably so many others as well that I'm not really mentioning or failed to mention. But my point is, the market's massive. The market's good for yeah. it. Yeah, but this is me not having a proper business, I didn't it? Yeah. Because, do you know, the way I looked at it, yeah, I, I saw something. This is musically, yeah. An artist in one state. So, you know how you have the biggest popular artist here in the UK, yeah? Right. Let's just take... Let's say Stormzy. Let's just say Stormzy. Yeah. Yeah. That's equivalent of to a state artist in the, in the US. Yeah. Meaning one artist who's only known in Texas is the same size as Stormzy. Bigger. Bigger. Because Texas is bigger than the That's UK. That's what I'm saying, yes. Texas is bigger than the UK. So it's like, even if you conquered one state in the US, yeah, yeah, yeah. let it be New York, let it be LA, wherever the case is. Yeah, yeah, Michigan. It's like, it can take things to a whole yeah. different height. Yeah, yeah. It's food for thought. Like, I'm not saying no. No, no, no. I'm just saying, uh, like, I, I would like to go to the US, but I think also it's about calibrating your, because I'm very British, bro. Mm. In my comedy as well, I'm very British. Yeah. And Br- British people, whether you're Asian or white or black or w- whatever flavor you are, there is a there is a distinct British sense of humor, mm-hmm. which doesn't always travel to the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they might not understand some of the jokes. They might not same. get the dry sense of humor and stuff. They're like, oh, is he making a statement or a joke? Like we can't, we yeah, can't tell yeah. you. Like, no, that was that was a joke, motherfucker. Like, yeah. like in Britain, you'd understand that cadence, and yeah, you'd yeah, get yeah. that. Oh, this guy's being sarcastic. He's being a bit dry. Yeah. Okay, we get it. Whether you find it funny is whatever, but you'd understand what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. In America, I feel like you got to, you probably got to stay there for six months and just calibrate your yeah, feet, just calibrate just, yourself to them, to yeah. their language. To their, to their cadence, to their sarcasm just and stuff like that. Just analyze everything Just so world. you know yeah. that what you're saying on stage, they understand that you, where the joke is, where the punchline is. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm very British in my delivery. That's a good point, actually. That's right. You would have to kind of stay there for a while just to see what's what and, and work things out. Like if you, if you took like um, um, a street artist, like, 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 like in music, like a, like, a, like a grime artist from here and, and you played it in America... But they wouldn't understand half of it because no, the, the street language is completely different. Yeah, literally, literally. But they go, uh, yeah. I'm not even going to bother mentioning about music and stuff like that because they just go off like the actual. Exactly. How many UK artists actually properly cross over to the US? There's only one I can think of. Not loads, bro. Yeah, not loads. One or two, but yeah, it's a market to explore. Nonetheless, yeah, definitely, it's definitely. It's not something that I'm ruling out. Yeah, it's something that I'd love to try and explore. I definitely want to go over there and do stand up at some. I'll point. travel with you. Because right. I want to do podcasts out there as well, so yeah. we could both give it a shot. All right, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Inshallah. Inshallah. 2024 is literally tomorrow. Yeah. What's the plan for the year? Like, what are you going to do? What's the plan? Well, I'm on tour. Yep. From September to November. And you know what, bro? Everything I do, everything I want to do is to sell more tickets. Mm-hmm. I want people to come out to see me because I think I'm a very good stand-up comedian. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm Messi or Ronaldo of, of comedy, yeah? But I think I'm very, very good at it, yeah? But tonight, I'm going to be that guy sitting in the audience. Just, just going, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all right. Like the Godfather impression. Yeah. Mm, yeah. For the audience that don't know, we're right. going to see Tez after this live. Um, so I wanna, I want people to come see me. Mm-hmm. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on tour from September to December, all over the country from Glasgow to Brighton and London, everywhere in between, right? Yeah. That's what. So everything that I do, whether it's, whether it's the things that I'm talking about, right, to create, because everything that Schultz does. Like, so I keep using that example. No, but I feel like he inspires you a lot though, which right. is a good thing. But everything he does yeah. is to sell those 
big shows yeah, that yeah, we yeah. now see on Instagram. Yeah. Because boy, he wasn't doing that five years ago. Yeah, no, not at all, no. Five years ago, he was still playing the clubs mm-hmm. and he was recording them yeah. and pouring them on. Online. And, you know, and then now and again, he'd do a little bit of himself mm-hmm. online. And, and obviously he's got his podcasts, which are, which are huge. Yeah. So let's not, let's not belittle those because those, those are big, right? But now what, what he's doing now and playing those big, big rooms and, you know, Madison Square Garden and, and going to Saudi and then going to Dubai and playing the biggest room in Dubai and stuff, right? Everything he does is so he can do that. Everything he does is so that people around the world, and for me right now it's UK, mm-hmm. and that would be nice, is, is to sell those tickets, is advertising yourself online, whether it's through shows you've done, or through new things that you're creating or through podcasts or whatever to showcase yourself and be like, come and buy a ticket, man. Yeah, it's all a funneling system. Come and buy a ticket, man. You're bro. Buy a ticket, bro. Yeah, yeah, literally. literally. That's all of it's that. And that's what I want people to come see in my shows because I think I'm very, very good. And like, I wish I had this when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I wish I had guys like me on the circuit that I could have seen advertised and gone raw. Yeah, let's go see. Let's go see my Mantez and that. That's what I want, bro. Mm. I want people to come and see my see my shows. No, hopefully, inshallah, you get it, man. I inshallah, good, bro. Are the tickets uh, available and all that. Yeah, tezelias.com. I'm gonna leave them in the in the description. Please so do, bro. I'm all gonna over. buy some. Gonna all buy over. my whole team. Hackney so. Empire in London. Don't Hackney know. Empire. Anywhere else in London? Uh, no, the big shows. But this is the thing, right? So I want to sell that show so I can put another show on. Okay. But my ticket, <laughs> my ticket buyers buy the tickets last minute, bro. So if you're buying tickets last minute, I can't put the show on because they all come out. You got to see the demand for it. Right. They mm-hmm. all come out eventually. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if you buy them early, I can put another show on. Yeah. And what a good look that is for me. But if you're buying them all the last minute, then I can't put another show on. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I can do is that one show. How hard is it to organize a whole tour? Is this the first tour you're doing? It's my third one. Third one. So I'm saying, bro. Oh, so how, we're, we're, tra- we're treading water. How, on the first one, how hard was that? Hard. Yeah. But then it's, 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 it's. You know, like people will follow you on Instagram or TikTok. Well, not TikTok back then, but Twitter and stuff. And they'll come out to see you and stuff. And you keep that following. You you lose some, you get some more. And it kind of, it kind of goes up a bit. You know how it goes, it goes up and down like that. Like it goes, it goes steadily rises, but it, it, it waves up and down a bit. Like like, like, like the market. Yeah. To, to, to show you that. No, no look at like the stock market. To, yeah. to show you that, no, what I'm yeah. talking about. Um, like it goes up and down like that. And so you, 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 you lose a few followers, you get more followers. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it steadily increases. It increases yeah. I haven't done that thing yet where I've gone boom mm. like that which is what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. Um, but also it's in that, it's got to be authentic, right? It's got to be stuff that people resonate with and people like and stuff. So I've got to think more of like, how can I showcase the, the personality, my personality that creases my friends up, that makes my wife laugh in hysterics. How can I channel that online? Mm-hmm. How do you think of new content and new jokes for, for each tour? Because... I can imagine if I was a comedian, I'd probably rinse the same jokes that I was rinsing five years ago. You do and that. If, there's a bit of that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. What? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. So if you see the same comedian twice in the space of probably 18 months to three years, likelihood is it's going to be very, very similar. But surely when Unless you, do, you see him in that transition yeah. phase, the likelihood is going to be the same thing. But eventually, if you're a good comedian anyway, you start phasing the old stuff out and the new stuff starts coming in. Yeah. And you just hope and you have that faith that the new stuff is going to be as good as for your stuff. Because some yeah. stuff, because sometimes, bro, you write stuff and you're like, bro, I don't think I'm going to ever write anything better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you do. So the stuff, so you're going on tour next year. I think you said it starts in September, right? This year, by the time people start listening. This year, by the time, yeah. So 2024. 2024, yeah. September. Yeah. When did you start writing for that tour? 
the, my last tour was 2021, finished December 2021. So between then and now, I've been accumulating a bit of material. It's not sure yet, mm-hmm. but I've been accumulating a bit of material. But now that goes into overdrive. Okay. So it's now, it's, it's, it's get, see, looking at what I've got yep. and going, okay, I feel like this, maybe half of it, maybe all of it, maybe half of it, maybe 10% of it is mm-hmm. good enough, I think, to be in a show that I want to put my name to. And then from then it's just overdrive. What do I want to talk about? There's been changes to my personal circumstances since I last went on tour, got married, etc. There's been changes in the world, in politics, in stuff around us. All the stuff that I talk about generally, mm-hmm. myself, politics, things, things that I've noticed. There've been big changes in around the world yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, and in my personal life in those things. So it's like getting all those things and seeing what are the topics in these things that I want to talk about and then just rinsing the jokes in them and then practicing them up until the moment that the tour hits and you're like hoping that you have your 60 minutes ready. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's big stage time. If you start on tour, you got a lot of stage time. Like yeah. for example, you said tonight you're going to be performing, let's just say 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah, 25 right? minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you're on your tour, you're going to have a lot more stage time. It's more like an hour and a half. How do you actually work a crowd for that long? Practicable. Practice. When you, when you started this podcast, yeah, mm-hmm. did you think, you must have thought to yourself first couple of episodes, correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume so. You must have gone, oh, I'm going to interview someone for an hour. That was great. No, no, Straight off the bat, innit? Straight off the bat, smashing through the covers, <laughs> no. yeah? No, I still think about that day to day now as well. Right? You got like, to, I've got to not drag this out, but you think to yourself, oh, I've, got, I've got an hour, to, maybe an hour and a half to fill. Yeah. And then sometimes you think, oh, was that episode too short? Mm. Like, you think that, right? Yeah, you like, got to find the right balance between, yeah. you know, making sure. But eventually, sure, through experience, yeah, you just you, know you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is work in a crowd. You got like, when you go on stage, you've got to go off the energy off the crowd. Yeah. Now, for example, we spoke about this in the car just briefly yeah, yeah, just now, yeah. right? You're going to have another comedian who's going on stage and you're going to be the last one to I'm do- I'm the last one of five. Last one of five to do their act. So this audience now are going to be sat there for, they started at six. Probably three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. By the time I go on stage. So three and a half hours of them laughing their head off. By the time you get on the stage, their energy is going to be depleted, bro. Mm, mm. So it's like, how do you get their energy to come back up? You're going, If that's what I'm saying, it's pressure because if you're the last one going on there, you're thinking, oh, flip, okay, now I've got pressure because this- And I'm the headliner. I'm yeah. built up as that. Like, yo, guys, yeah. you've enjoyed this, yeah? Wait till you see this guy. Yeah, yeah. And everyone so comes got that pressure. Up, oh, it's Tez Elias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't let them do that, bro. Yeah. I do not let okay, them so bring me on to that, do bro. That? Like, A, Artif, the MC, lovely guy, um, a good friend of mine, very good comedian, I make sure he does a build up before mm-hmm. I go on. Because he knows, he's, he's an experienced comedian. Yeah. He knows what to do. So he knows what his job is. Okay. And his job is, he's the MC, right? His job is to build them up for me. Yeah. So he's training them throughout the whole show. You've still got your headline act coming. You've still got, okay. you've still got the gags in the second half. Are you excited? So he's doing that throughout the thing. And then when it is my turn, he's like, guys, I've been telling you mm. all evening, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Get your glasses down, put your hands together, make as much noise, right? First row, second row, third row. All those little tricks that we've learned over the years to get an audience going, mm. he'll do that before I come on. Yeah. Then I come on to my big music, big energy, get them, get that first 30 seconds energized up. I, won't, I might not do that in a normal show, but because I know this audience has been sat there for three and a half hours, I have to do that mm-hmm. to just get their adrenaline flowing again so then I can launch into my jokes. And then just make sure that first four or five minutes is very strong yeah. off the bat. So that then they are with me then for the next 20, because that first two, three minutes is weak. <sighs> 20 more minutes of this, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was better than this, you know? <laughs> I swear I saw him on TikTok and it's, it's funnier than this. You don't want that. Mm. And that can happen at any time. Because on this tour, bro, it's happened a couple of times where like, you're going on so late and the energy is so depleted. And sometimes your energy is depleted as well. Because if you're sat there in that green room for three and a half hours, Bro, you're dead by the end of it. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't have the energy. Yeah. 
So you thought, let's do a podcast instead. That's what I thought, <laughs> do a podcast. Do this, distract myself in some great company, play a game of chess, and then and then go and do my thing in it. Do you have like, you know when you're just about to get on stage, mm. do you have like a routine of, to energize yourself? Or you're I'm just not. like, I'm going I used there. to, back in the day when I first started, because like, you know, back back in the day, I didn't have the practice in it, I didn't have the muscle memory and all that. I was like, bro, I was shadow boxing. Like, yeah. just, just be on the stage, just... Looking in the mirror, I'm that, the yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, all that, yeah. Um... But now I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. This is a big gig, a big TV gig, yeah. or like a gig that matters for my career or something. Then, then the nerves kind of the kick nerves in. will kick in, yeah, because yeah. that's that's automatic in it. Yeah. Um. But just for like ninety nine percent of gigs are not that. Mm. It just it just work. Yeah. I'm going to work. Going to work. Right. I'm going to go put my shift night. Mm. I'm going to put my thirty minute shift in now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll see. I'll see when I when I come off stage and that I'm very relaxed. And then you just hope that. But it does happen though, most of the time anyway. As soon as you walk on stage, boom, adrenaline rush. Mm. I'm going to transition this point into the dark sides of com- comedy, right? All right, go on. Because we touched on it earlier, but just just to finish off what you just said there. So you just said there, 30-minute shift. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever compare like how life is now compared to you working in that 9 to 5? Yeah. Because well, my life is sick, bro. Yeah, but it's going to come with its cons as well. Of course it does. Of course it does. Like what people don't see about comedy is how lonely it is. Because mm-hmm. you're driving... City to uh, live stand up anyway is different, obviously, if you're online, but live stand up and it's actually online as well because they're not seeing the graph behind the videos and then that video. And then if it bombs, your little face sat in the mirror and that going, oh, all that my effort and soul into that video. And no one, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, no one sees those lonely drives from city to city and they might think it's a bit glamorous because you're staying in these hotels. And then what well, is bro, it's not, man. You're, you're, dri- you're driving into a city, you check in, you get ready. You go to the show, you do the show, yeah. you get somewhere to eat, you go back to the hotel, you might watch a bit of Netflix, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, check out, have some lunch, go to the next place. Bro, it's so funny you say That's this. all you do. Yeah. It's so funny you say this because in, in, before I got this studio, that's exactly what I was doing. You drive to a city, you do a podcast, you eat, you go back to the hotel, whatever, and you check out, yeah? Until it gets to a point where all your friends around you, you may be able to relate to this as well. They, they still work. Mm. Obviously, besides the people you meet in the industry, they still work normal nine to fives. Yep. So you can't just bring your friends along. You can't say, yep. yeah, look, come, I'm going to Manchester yeah, this yeah, weekend. Yeah. Let's go. Like, Bro, I've got, I've got, Bro, work. I got work. I've got a kid. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a baby now. That's, that's his excuse, apparently. Um, but it's, yeah, it's still here, yeah. But it's all these things. And then it definitely becomes lowly. And it's almost to a point where I felt like the audience who I was doing this for kind of become your friends. Yeah. So then for me, naturally, I was that person that grew up on my phone, right? So it's more natural for me to do this than it probably is for you. Mm. But for me to talk to followers, whatever the case is, it's probably easier. So in the time where you're feeling lonely, how do you actually deal with that? I mean, that's the case now because I'm because I'm married in it. And so my wife comes to like majority of my shows now. Oh, does it actually? Yeah, so it's really, really nice. And also because I thought like, obviously we want to start a family at some point. Um, before that, because at that point, then it'll be a lot more difficult for yeah, her to yeah, come yeah. out and stuff. So mm. before we get to that point in the honeymoon period, let's enjoy each other's company as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Before that, bro, you know, one of the things I spoke to her about when we met is like, you know what, when you have a rubbish show, that is difficult, but you're in your own head about it. You kind of almost don't want someone there. Mm. Cause they're like, oh, I'll be all right. And you're like, yeah, no, like, you're irritable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You almost don't want someone yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's the good shows, bro. Where you want to share that energy smash with someone. It on stage and you feel like 10 men mm. and you've got 200, 300 people like just cheering you off or whatever, clapping you off, whatever, yeah. And then you feel like the man and that. And then you go out the door, the wind hits you in the face and you're on your own. Mm. And you're like, or oh, you're on a bus home or tube home or car journey home. And you're like, oh, I've got no one to share this with. 
that's shit bro yeah that is shit but alhamdulillah now I have that um and 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 I'm blessed for it but yeah man that that is hard that is hard and also in this industry like we have our friends and stuff and you know you'd be happy for people and stuff but there's a small part of your brain bro in that part of your brain that you can't control mm. that's like how did they get that how, how come how, what they got that they got that yeah not you oh okay maybe find out how they got it and cuz that probably should have been you and that isn't it mm. and you want to switch, switch that part of your brain and I'll become much better at switching that part of my brain off and you start remembering that whatever you're looking at other people people looking at you and going oh wow he's lucky to have got that in it so as much as you're looking at other people people are looking at you and there might be stuff in your life that you've got that maybe you shouldn't have got at the time and you got it ahead of your time or there's stuff that maybe you deserve to get but it doesn't happen for you because it wasn't meant for you and you got to switch that part of your brain off bro that part of your brain that's like just evil bro that evil part of your brain that's like don't have to think you deserve that how do you switch it off because i'm asking this because i have this at times as well we all have it bro anyone yeah. anyone who works any job has that mm. whether it's through a promotion or an invitation to an event or whatever whatever we all have it bro or even in real life we have it in life as well there's life you know that anyone who's like in the dating game or trying to find someone they'll have that as well um we all have it bro in business as well especially i guess um just you got to just train yourself to do it bro like i'm i'm muslim so i have that kind of i've lived like 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 the the pandemic taught me that because you know so many things were taken away from us and it kind of put my put the brakes on my career a little bit the pandemic and i came out of it not on the same tra- trajectory that I was on when i came into the pandemic as so i could sit here and mourn about it and but like still got to live my life mm. still got to keep trying and is that islamic philosophy of what is meant for you will happen yeah it will be yours and if it's not meant for you You yeah. can kick and scream and try as much as you want. It's it risk, won't. isn't it? It won't. Yeah. And all I can, yeah, risk exactly is kismet. So I will <clears> keep. <throat> all I can promise myself is I will keep trying, and the things that are meant for me will happen for me. Yeah. But then you, I have to also be honest with myself and be like, there's some things that I haven't properly tried. Like I'm talking about the online space. Yeah. I really haven't given that a proper go. Not in the way that I gave live stand-up comedy a go. And part of it is because I'm older as well, mm-hmm. and online is a bit more exposing. Like if you're if you're in a room full of 20 30 40 people like back in the open mic days and you died and no one's laughed at your show the only people that know that are the people in that room mm-hmm. right that's it whatever they probably don't even remember your name yeah, yeah, yeah. and the comedians but that's what happened to them anyway so like whatever that's a bit of schadenfreude that you have with each other everyone in the industry has that anyway but the people in that room probably don't even remember who you are because mm-hmm. you didn't make them laugh anyway so it's fine you're just that asian guy who didn't make them laugh yeah, fine yeah. You can forget about it innit? yeah but then when you put it online and now especially in my position where i have a, i have a bit of an audience like not the biggest audience but i do have an audience on instagram and tiktok yeah, and stuff of course, yeah like your kind of expectation is that your videos should be banging because you've got numbers like you've got you've got a bit of a following so why are your numbers so low why mm-hmm. is your video not banging and then you feel shit about it because you're like oh this is how i felt back in the open mic that's, that's what we call the engagement trap yeah exactly yeah. instead of instead of thinking about how i did back in the day for comedy which for stand up which was just do what you enjoy yeah if they laugh they laugh if you're good at this people will come you'll find your audience but i'm not doing that with online cuz i'm too i'm too in my head about it yeah i'm too like, in that engagement trap that's a beautiful way of putting it i'm too much like oh but if that video doesn't bang that's embarrassing man on the effort and i don't enjoy doing it and what am i doing this for ultimately i know what i want out of it but i'm not putting the hard yards to get it mm. 
you know it's funny because I came out of the engagement trap not too long ago because I, I was stuck in it for a while. I'll be honest with you. All you're looking at is numbers. Is this mm. doing well? Mm. Is this podcast we're doing right now? Is it going to do numbers and all that sort of stuff? And it can cure properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long That's term because if you don't get the numbers you're predicting, your mental health is gone through the roof. And also you're demotivated. Yeah, and you're demotivated for the next one. So you're thinking, oh, I'm here now. You know what? Tessa Snape, we're going to get that many numbers. But yeah, how are you yeah. doing, bro? Like, what's yeah, your life yeah, story? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. all of that. But as soon as you come out of that and you do this for the reason why you started in the first place, which is the fact that you love it and you enjoy it and you're doing it for just for that one person or that two people to laugh or in my case for watch and get some value, then you enjoy it again. And then somehow, some way, all the numbers and everything pick back up because it's now- Because it's authentic. It's bro. authentic. Authentic, it's authentic it? that's you. the truth. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not- You're not doing this for like, oh, what will that kid in Milton Keynes who listens to this- what, what does he want to hear? Mm. You're giving him what he wants to hear. Yeah, literally. He's yeah. coming on your journey. Yeah, He's coming yeah. to you. Yeah. You're not going to him. Exactly. And that's what I want. Which but I need to find my thing. online mojo. I, f- I think we need to exchange skills because I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've conquered fully the online space, but I've done, I've done well, Alhamdulillah. And you've done well, like Alhamdulillah, live. And I'm trying to go more down the live route mm. in this year, 2024, coming up doing live events and all that sort of stuff. So I think I'm going to need you there and all okay, that. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to need you. Also, you're going to need me for online so yeah, that you yeah, can help yeah. each other out. Okay. But look, Tez, we've done, uh, we've spoken about a lot in this podcast. Any final notes you want to leave for your audience or anything? I know we got, because we, we got to get back shortly to um, No, nah, man, I hope, I hope people who've watching this enjoy listening to it. Subscribe to the CEO cast, man, because he's a good brother, man, doing, having amazing conversations. So, I, I thank you, you from the bottom of my heart for distracting me from that Sean sitting <laughs> and I'm joking for, for inviting me to this to this beautiful setup man Alhamdulillah I'm, like, I'm inspired by you bro yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm inspired he would like look how much graph you've put in and look how far you've come in three years yeah, yeah, well, four years now, yeah. Four years, yeah, yeah. and but, but look how far you've come, bro, and that's that's inspiring to me. And I'm like, if I properly give that online space a proper go in the way that I gave stand up a go 13 years ago, then I get closer to the place that I want to be, which is selling out these big rooms all over the country. But I feel like you're a great example of the fact that it's never too late. Of course, because someone at like 27 who wants to be a comedian now might think, oh, do you know what? I'm, it's already passed. I'm in my nine to five. I'm gonna get married in the future. I'll just, I'll just stay, stay here in this lane and doesn't explore the options that they actually love or want to. No, try. nothing, nothing is too late, man. Apart from if you want to be an athlete, maybe 27 is too late for that. Yeah. But like, but like, now nah, it's not too late, man. I was, I was 27, stuck in a job that I enjoyed but didn't love, mm-hmm. and act pure kismet. You know, it was meant to happen. I came across a stand-up workshop, and I could have said no on a different day, a different month, a different headspace. I might have said no, mm. but in that moment, I said yes. Yeah. And here I am 13 and a half years later in a position where people really enjoy what I do. And me being in a position where of where I want to be, that's that's my own thing. Yeah. But alhamdulillah, you know, people people gas me every single day telling me how much I enjoy them. People telling me how, how I got them through lockdown. People telling me how much they love me, man, like more being people buying tickets to my show. and can never take that for granted, bro. It's like, it's amazing that people, I, I came up from a two up two down in Blackburn mm-hmm. with, with a school with a GCC pass rate of 30%. And people are buying tickets to come see me speak. That's mad, bro. That is sick. It's almost like life goes full circle. Alhamdulillah, man. It's crazy that. And I, and sometimes, you know, like I, I've spoken a bit on this podcast. I don't want that to be the sort of thing that I leave people with that are like, oh, <laughs> the, the guy's mourning that he's not in the position that he wants to be. But that's all of us in it. All, all, all of us strive for more. But 
Alhamdulillah, bro, for the things that I've achieved and how far I've come along, like, I have to also be very, very proud of myself. Yeah, of course, bro. You have to give yourself a pat on the back. Mm. You have to, it's it's funny because like you said there, we live in a world where as as people who are on their own journeys and trying to strive for better, to do better for themselves, we live in a balance of, okay, yes, I want the next level, next level, but we also have to kind of take ourselves out of our own shoes, put ourselves in other shoes and look at our lives and be mm. like, you know what? I'm very, very grateful for this. Mm, very grateful. But then it's dangerous as well because if you do that too much, then you become too content and you don't yeah, strive yeah, for the yeah. next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so don't want to like be complacent. A, it's like you got to put it on a seesaw and try and find the right balance. But it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. Be grateful and keep looking forward and working. That's it. What means the most to you right now? At this current point in time? Oh, without being that soppy guy, bro. My family, my wife, my mum, like time at home. Mm-hmm. That is probably what means the most to me That's right what now. you value the most. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've been on the road for what, 17 days, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've gone this time without seeing him or is your wife with no, you? No, so my wife's come down to London because uh, my in-laws don't live that far out of London. Yeah. So she's she's been with me for the for the last week or so. Okay, sick. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I value the most. Yeah, I bet yeah, in times like this where you're on tour, you just can't wait to go home and just like 100%. be with your family. Don't get me wrong, a little break away with the boys and that is no bad thing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that, there's only really so much of that you can oh, take. Oh, that's as well. that's your excuse for the boys' holiday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there's only really so much of that you can take as well. Yeah, friends. Tez, I want to thank you very much for coming bro, on the podcast, bro. Thank you. And if for people enjoyed me, it, where can they find you? Uh, tezilias.com yep. is where to get my tickets. T- tickets for my show. Yep. And at Tez Ilias everywhere else. And if you want to follow me, I hang around in Blackburn. You yeah. just come and come and stalk me. <laughs> make sure you buy your uh make sure you buy the tickets for Tez Ilias's tour in September 2024. I'm gonna make sure I'm there. I'm gonna put the dates in the description as to when I'm there. I'll probably come to multiple to be fair. I'm gonna bounce all over the UK, so I might as well just come. Um, make you, sure you get them You tickets. might be opening for me by then All the all the live training You're going to do Between now and then Yeah I'll tell you How much are tickets oh, like £25 I'll tell you what I'm going to buy 10 tickets If you comment your What should they you Comment your best thing About Tez's journey so far And I'll buy 10 tickets 10 of you will get chosen At random Oh wow And I'll buy Yeah oh wow We don't do this much Wow <laughs> that's, that's nice <laughs> Pakistan's yeah, yeah, hurting yeah, right wow. now But the growth for me Is like yeah We've got to do this Okay no, no, I appreciate that bro <laughs> So 10 tickets for free 10 tickets on me For Tez's tour in 2024 This is such a tongue twister It's too, it's too many T's in There's this There's a lot of T's there <laughs> Too many T's in this <laughs> Just comment your favourite thing About Tez's journey With your Instagram username And I'll make sure to pick 10 of you to come along. And until then, I'll catch you like guys on the next episode of CEO Cast next Sunday. I hope you all have an amazing 2024. Reach your goals and follow Tez. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, people. Great Cheers, one. bro. Thank you very one, much. Bro. Yeah, it was good, yeah?